Oh, it's been a minute since I've been up here. And um, I guess it's ironic that we're talking about chasing comfort, because let me tell you what, I'm not. <laughs> up here is comfortable. Um, but over the last uh, few weeks, we've been in a series called The Great Chase. Here he's talked about chasing fame, and through the life of David, we learn about whose approval matters most. Then we cover chasing money and materialistic things, remembering how rich we truly are, and that everything we have is a gift from God. We talked about chasing perfection, and lastly, chasing approval. That one hit home for me personally. I don't really struggle so much with what people think of me anymore. Um, I used to, but I struggle a lot even with what Gary thinks for his approval. People don't think that sounds crazy because he's my spouse, he's my husband, but yeah, even when it pertains to your spouse, chasing anything but Jesus is going to leave you lacking. So Gary asked me to close out this series, and I couldn't be more honored. Um, today we're going to talk about chasing comfort. I'm sure as many of you know, our society now has this huge aversion to emotional and physical discomfort. Basically, if anything makes you emotionally uncomfortable, then you just shouldn't have to do it. That is what we are teaching our children, and it's so tragic. I believe that some of the greatest things in life come from learning to deal with emotional and physical discomfort, walking through it, experiencing what happens on the other side of that. The latest generations are terrible at dealing with discomfort. Think about the things that cause these kids anxiety now. Not even kids, young adults, adults. Driving on the freeway. Um, making an actual call rather than texting. Ordering your own food. We had a friend of Emily's out with us one time, and this child literally had a meltdown 15 years old, could not order her own food. Emily had to order her food for her. It was irritating, to say the least. Um, meeting people face-to-face. Nobody wants to do these things anymore because it makes you uncomfortable. And then we think about the things that bring us comfort, right? So being in your sweats on the couch, binge-watching your favorite shows, eating all of the crappy food, a nine-to-five job that you can't stand to go to because it's a guaranteed paycheck, toxic people and friendships, and just because there's longevity and comfort doesn't make them healthy for you, but I guess that's a different sermon for a different day. Money, chaos even, finding comfort in your discomfort is a very real and sad thing. The endless pursuit of emotional and physical comfort does not lead to spiritual comfort and satisfaction. In 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. People spend their whole life pursuing what they think they want, what they think will bring them happiness. But you can have all of the worldly things that would make most people comfortable Money, the nice house, the nice car, beautiful family, the dream of retiring at 60 and traveling the world and still feel empty inside because you don't really want emotional and physical comfort. 
What you need is spiritual satisfaction. Just in the letter of 1 John, he uses the phrase the world 17 times. When he uses the word world, contextually, he means do not love the culture system or spirit of this world. So what does that look like? I just want to have what I want, when I want it. I want to be able to have that with whomever I want to do it with. Doesn't matter. And I want to have all of these things without the pesky distraction of pain or challenges or discomfort. So basically what they're saying is I want to build a life where God is not necessary. Gary and I are actually at opposite ends of the pendulum as it pertains to comfort. He finds comfort in what I deem chaos, and I find comfort in what he deems boring. And unfortunately, we both could not be more wrong. How many times have you been like, God, I could really use a vacation. I just need some time off. So you plan and you save and you make it happen just to be a day and a half in at the beach. And you're like, wow, I'm bored and this is terrible. In the same token, life and kids and work can be so hectic that all you want to do is stay home and do nothing. I believe that in this world, our society says any amount of emotional and physical discomfort is just too hard. So you just quit. Like all the cute catchphrases, right? Live your best life. You do you. YOLO. All of that is telling us that just to go live our best life and nobody truly knows what that means. So what our society is telling us is that if your marriage is hard, you just quit. Leave. You're so courageous for choosing emotional and physical comfort over laying down your life for your spouse, your kids, your future. Social media has us so invested in everyone else's highlight reel of what is perceived as their best life and so uninvested in the blessings of what God has given us in our own lives. Don't like your job, difficult coworker, just quit. Better to be happy than uncomfortable. The world has tricked us into thinking that a good life comes from all things comfortable and easy and that we should never have to deal with struggles. And if we're being honest, I believe everyone has desired a life more defined by ease than struggle. So in this series, we're talking about the things that most of us spend our lives chasing. But anything that you chase after more aggressively than you chase after God is simply idolatry. And our God is a jealous God. There are two types of comfort that I want to look at. And the first one is called counterfeit comfort. But what does counterfeit mean? Counterfeit is designed to be a close copy A substitute for something with value, but the counterfeit has no value whatsoever. And chasing counterfeit comfort reveals spiritual emptiness. Oftentimes what we deem comfortable can come from past experiences and not good ones. Chasing counterfeit comfort was something I struggled with for many years. We keep it real around here, so if Gary can, I guess I can too. And I always prayed for my mess to be my ministry 
And uh, I was a mess, a freaking mess. I used to need affirmation from all the wrong places, approval from all the wrong people, and significance and things that simply left me feeling empty. The affirmation, approval, and significance had to come from the opposite sex. I was sexualized at a very young age and for quite some time, to the point that it became normal. As I grew up and I became an adult, I found relationships to be hard to have because there was nothing anyone could give me that would have been enough. Because of my past experiences, I found disrespect normal and needed. I found comfort in my discomfort. I would try any fad diet or diet pill. I would idolize the gym, my clothes, my appearance, because that got me the attention I thought I longed for and that I needed. At 16 and a half years old, I moved to Georgia to live with my Grammy. And she made me go to church with her on Sundays. And she made me volunteer to teach children in the Bible studies um, on Wednesday nights when the parents would, would meet for Bible study. I could feel that God was moving in my life, but I didn't really know what that meant. But I would make temporary changes and white-knuckle my way through life until the next hard thing. And then, bam, just like that, I was right back chasing counterfeit comfort because the real problem wasn't the problem I was facing. It was the fact that I was spiritually empty. Chasing counterfeit comfort eliminates our need for faith. When we walk about the system of this world or building a life where God isn't necessary, it's an indirect contradiction to the human experience described by 66 books of the Bible. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews kind of does like this reader's digest storyboard um, in the Old Testament. Every single story starts with the phrase, by faith. By faith, Moses, with a speech impediment, stared down the most powerful human being on the planet, Pharaoh, to deliver God's people. By faith, Abraham left home left the home of his ancestors to go to a place where God wouldn't even reveal where he was wanting him to go. It would ultimately be be the promised land. By faith, Noah built a boat, and he had to convince everybody that it was going to flood. But you guys need to understand this. Not one of them had ever seen rain in their entire life. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, not a single one of these stories were people living in comfort In every single one of them, they were living for a burden that if God had not shown up, they would have been helpless and looked like idiots. So here's a challenge for you. What part part of your life today, or were you, helpless unless God supernaturally intervened? Again, Keeping it real with, uh, with my action family today, Gary's been pretty open about the struggles in our marriage lately. Gary told you that he packed a bag and he left our home for what we thought was good, for good. 
when that door closed, it took my very breath right out of my body. I felt helpless, hopeless, like my world had shattered. In 10 years, no matter how angry we were, we didn't sleep in separate rooms, let alone separate places, and never with the word divorce on the table. I dropped to my knees and I cried out to Jesus. A friend of mine told me to call Jesus as if I were calling Beetlejuice, and that is what I did. I was screaming his name over and over and over again, and during this time, pain and heartache... According to what society tells me, I would have had every reason to turn back to my old self. Hot-tempered, attention-seeking, that Christ-lacking little girl that would run back to counterfeit comfort. Instead, I drew much closer to God. We talked for hours At hours, I wish I was sleeping, but he woke me up every single morning at 3.30 so that we could have our time. He heard every tear that fell from my face and every prayer that I prayed. He told me to show grace. He told me to show love. And he told me to forgive. He gave me a peace that passed all understanding. That's what the love of the Father does, right? I'm telling you that if you allow the Father's love to penetrate inside of you, to get inside of you, when you allow the love of the Father to compel your life, you cannot pursue something as shallow as comfort. You cannot pursue comfort and walk by faith at the same time. You simply cannot. This brings me to the second type of comfort I wanted to talk to you guys about. The best kind. Authentic comfort. Authentic means to be real and genuine, not false or copied. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So why would we chase counterfeit comfort, counterfeit and unattainable comfort when we can embrace authentic comfort? One of the biggest myths... Um, about being a Christ follower is that your life will be easy. That we'll be handed everything we pray for, like he's a genie in a bottle that we can rub and wish on. But look what the Bible says in James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. He tells us that we will, in fact, experience trials and tribulations in the testing of our faith. Picture how a silversmith would test silver under heat, repeatedly 
remove the impurity until he could see his own reflection. He would do this over and over. God is doing the same thing in us through pain. He wants us to use it so that he can see his reflection in our lives. The most valuable things in my life are the result of God's presence in the midst of my worst pain. Not trying to just kill this whole uh, Sunday with the fact that (laughs) you're going to go through trials and you're going to go through tribulations and it's not always going to be easy. But in the midst of all that, you always have to remember to praise him through the pain. Romans 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. This is not your best life. God has a best life intended for you. It's not here, and it certainly isn't now. Your soul was made to long for the things of heaven. In Matthew 16, he says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Trying to fulfill an eternal longing with temporary comfort will lead to an empty life. Because God afflicts the comfortable and he comforts the afflicted. That's all that I have for you guys on chasing comfort. I hope that um, I hope I've given you some things to take with you because this life will be full of trials and tribulations. But with him, all things are possible. So um, let us pray.